0: All right, so we love episode 399 so much that we're going to have an extended cut in the right time zone because we're all on time doing timely things in a timely matter during this time of the day with Clark Monroe. Clark, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: You know what? I've, I've always lived by the mantra that if you're not uh, 10 minutes early, you're late. And uh, I was late. <laughs> 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 yeah, just not by a little bit either. Literally, like literally though, hour.
0: you were so sincere in thinking that you were on time. I was you so looked at thinking
1: it I was on time,
0: stone cold, and said, "Guys, it's only eight thirty Eastern."
1: Yeah, no, it's not. No. It's after that.
0: <laughs> Beyond that, well, ladies and gentlemen, everyone tuning back in, uh, you will see this across the networks. This is a fun one. The extended cut of one ninety nine. We will now obviously talk about some Blue Jays baseball that we were waiting for Mr. Clark Monroe, as you heard last episode, praising him up the wazoo for being the incredible dad that Uh he is, getting his little down. Obviously, it took this long. We had to uh, pause and redo another episode just for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Honestly, like, I was thinking about it after after our little talk we just had, and uh, if if I wouldn't, if I would have been on time, my kid would be like crying right now and like wanting to go to bed and just causing a havoc. So it wouldn't have been good either way. I messed up either way. So <laughs> either way would have been bad. <laughs> That's no what you get worry. for trying to book a podcast when uh, your wife's out of town and you're single dad in it.
0: <laughs> Listen, buddy, hey, you know what? We kicked off last episode talking about the dad life and different things within the dad world where you. It takes precedence no matter what. So hey, congrats to you for being the awesome dad that you are. And know you are. So we will now talk some leaves and some baseball with Clark Monroe, with Michael, as always, Mr. D4, Dylan Fournier. Um, instant gut check feeling. He heard JD Bunkus go off on the radio about what the Blue Jays did not do. The bare minimum he said was Cinder Garden. even that was a low bar for him, and they couldn't achieve that. Clark Monroe, calm down. Blue Jays Nation, right now, let us know because apparently anyone who thinks these deals are good are just idiots.
1: Yeah, I saw JD Bunkus on Twitter. So I, I didn't hear his segment, but I knew that he was going to rip into them pretty hard. Um, what I heard from John Morosi, uh, and if you don't follow John Morosi, he's one of the better baseball insiders on Twitter. So please go follow John Morosi. Um, he basically said, yeah, the Jays improved, um, but they didn't improve enough. They didn't do enough. The, the gap is now wider than it was before uh, between the Jays and the Yankees for sure, but also Houston. Uh, the Astros down in, in the A- A- AL South. Wait, what are they in? AL West. They're in the AL West. Um, I always get the uh, AL and NL mixed up with the NFC and the AFC in the NFL. But uh, regardless, I know Uh, what I believe the Jays did with these moves, and I'm looking at other moves made around the AL um, specifically, because as much as some of the NL ones are splashy, like I see that Dylan's wearing the Padres hat. The Padres did like 100 things today and within the last few days, Um, but and like big things. And I think a lot of Jays fans are jealous, which I think is mostly what all of this is. is that I think a lot of Jays fans are upset. But I think most of it's just jealousy because they wanted the Juan Sotos and they wanted the Guards, They wanted Iglesias. And I don't think many are looking at what they did get. And they haven't, if they have looked at what they did, they don't know who the guys are because, let's be honest, Zach Pop is 25. He hasn't made an impact in the league yet. Uh, Mitchell White, 27. He's pretty young. Uh, Anthony Bass, when he was here before, uh, Jays fans are remembering – uh, when he pitched for a team that wasn't all that great, so they're not remembering much. Even though he put up good numbers when he was here, and he's also putting up good numbers this season uh, for the Marlins. Uh, and the other player that they got is who I'm forgetting. Uh, <laughs> oh, Whit Merrifield, and Whit Merrifield's a guy that I personally love. I've I've been a huge Whit Merrifield fan since they made those runs back in the mid 2010s. Uh, the Royals did, uh, and Whit Merrifield was always. Making an impact. Uh, and again, this was six or seven years ago now. Whitmerfield's Field's 33, um, but he still led the league in stolen bases last year. Career wise, he's like a 280 to 300 hitter. Uh, he led the league in doubles last year. He can play center field, second base, probably other positions as well. Um, and when I look at the Jays, what they've done as a whole, um, I think personally that, yeah, they've gotten better. Um, and, but the problem was that they didn't make that big name splash. And I think that's where a lot of people are just like, well, why wouldn't you? Why didn't you? Uh, that's a complicated question. I think that we can get into that a little bit more here as we go. And um, we'll get, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about that. But um, I honestly think that they tried. And sometimes the prices are just too crazy. Uh, or, and you have to remember this, a lot of people forget that it takes two to tango. Sometimes three, depending on the trade, and maybe let's let's look at the Angels for example. Noah Syndergaard. Everyone wanted Noah Syndergaard back on the Jays because he started there. The Ra Dickey trade. The storylines are endless. Um, but Noah Syndergaard's on the down the downslide of his career. Like he has been great. Uh, he's lost about five or six miles an hour on his fastball, and the comparable trade that I was looking at, they got um mickey moniac and uh a minor leaguer uh so the comparable would have been kavin biggio and probably uh you know a triple a player that they probably could call up at any time that was kind of the comparable sort of in the trade and maybe that doesn't sound like a crazy amount but when it's that and you're trying to get other guys talking about in trades as well it just doesn't all add up sometimes. And there is a lot of high prices this summer uh, for the trade deadline. And the Jays probably had enough to do some of those. But if you're talking about a top, top, top prospect that the Jays have in their system for like a relief pitcher, that's not good asset management. We can sit here and talk about asset management for hours, guys, but that's just not good asset management in baseball. There's a summer, co- or there's a winter coming up where the Jays can probably make a huge move. The Yankees are going to be in turmoil. Aaron Judge's contract is in, under consideration. Uh, they are getting older and older, right? Not that the, I'm not saying the Jays are going to go get Aaron Judge here. Calm down, Dylan. Uh, <laughs> but but there's a summer or there's a winter. I always think of summer as the offseason because of hockey. But there's a winter coming up where I think that the league is going to shift. Uh, we look at what the Angels just did. They just depleted their system. Um, they can't waste Otani, right? They can't waste Otani. They have nothing there anymore. Uh, there's a couple of players, but they basically just decided to tank the rest of the season. They traded away their center fielder. They traded away their closer. They traded away their one of their starting pitchers. Like they they sold hard. Uh, there's a shift coming in the offseason. And I think the Jays are understanding that the Yankees are otherworldly good this year. Like dominatingly good this year. Is that a word? Dominatingly? Sure, it is now uh that's how good they are they got better at the deadline they paid a heavy price to do it and i think ross atkins and and mark shapiro had to look in the mirror for this one and just say maybe this isn't the year we deplete our entire system to just end up getting the wild card spot in the playoff run like we're just going to get a wild card spot there's no way we're catching the yankees we're gonna we're gonna get better and good enough that we can compete in that wild card series but if you're not going to win your pennant and you're going to deplete your entire system for a rental who's probably gone, is it worth it? I think they had to ask some hard questions today. I don't think this was just as easy as they got out. They got outspent by other teams. I think that I think that they had to ask some hard questions and say, "Are is this the year we do this, or do we maybe wait until the winter and load up for next year, and maybe next year's that year? Uh, this year is the year we compete. Maybe try to win around." Because baseball is hard, man. Especially playoff baseball, it is hard, um, and I, it, it's a point where you can—if you get in, it's the, you get into the dance, and you never know who you're going to meet. But it's if you—you you have to ask some hard questions because if you deplete your entire system, you got nothing left. So that I think that's what happened today. Um, I think that's what happened today, and I still think they made some nice trades. All of the guys that they traded for. Um, this is a big roundabout way of me saying I think all the guys they traded for are controllable. Even Whit Merrifield, he's a, he's an arbitration eligible player, I think, for next season. So technically, he's controllable to an extent. Um, you can you can bring him back next year, and I still think he's a valuable piece. He's a he's a, well, he's one of those guys you know uh, on broadcast when they say this guy's a real baseball player. Mm-hmm. That's Whit Merrifield. It sounds like a stupid comment, but. <laughs> I understand it's he's a true baseball player and he's he's you know top to bottom he lives baseball he's, he gets dirty he can do all the little things that baseball players do to win games and so I think that Jays fans are instantly going to love Whit Field as a player my biggest thing is that I think this is going to allow George Springer to get off the field so he stops getting hurt every two innings and dh more often Uh, i've been saying all summer that i don't want them to dh and i know a lot of people love danny jansen but i don't want them to dh their catchers i'd rather them just use their catchers as catchers and dh some of their players uh such as a george springer or give teoscar hernandez a day off or give vladdy a day in dh whatever etc etc um so i'd rather see that personally uh and the three relievers that they got they needed reliever help Mitch White is like a Ross Stripling type of pitcher, starting pitcher. He started 10 games this year. He's also shown in five relief appearances this year. He's put up an under four ERA, which is solid. He's 27, controllable for years. Zach Pop, 25, controllable for years. And Anthony Bass, like I said earlier, he's cheap. He's been putting up great numbers. And he fits in the locker room already because everyone already knows him. So I, I think this is good. I think it's a – I'm going to say like a B, a B minus – in terms of the trade deadline. Uh, other teams did more, sure. But in terms of what the hard questions were, I think they did pretty good.
0: All right. Let me play devil's advocate here.
1: Yeah. You all
0: remember when Jose Batista was here, and I believe it was Jansen, different Jansen at that time, when the trade deadline came around and the Blue Jays didn't do a whole hell of a lot, and then all of a sudden, things started not going the right way. I understand this is a younger team. I understand these players may see it the same way you're presenting it. But from what I heard on the Blue Jays broadcast and the Blue Jays at noon, that these guys were walking around, watching the TV, waiting for something exciting to pop. And all the things that you said, yeah, maybe fine and great. But when you're a guy who's on the diamond, on the team playing, You want an impactful name to boost this team. And I'm not saying what they did isn't good because I believe you. I fully take what you say at face value. I've seen it across the Internet. Anyone who's covering baseball is saying the same things that you are, and I believe you 100%. But if you're a player in that room and you watch the Yankees, You watch all the teams around you load up and get bigger names and bigger guys and spend the capital to do so. Doesn't that just sit with you like, did we not do enough? Are we not doing enough? And the thing that worries me is some of these guys on the team, we just watched it with Johnny Goudreau in hockey. Maybe they say, hey, maybe the Blue Jays are just too small market and scared to pull the trigger, so we're going to go play somewhere else when it comes time. Does that into decisions
1: yeah i I think you're you're not far off but i think james we have to also look at what they've done the last couple years i think that mindset is slipping away uh they brought in george springer for the big ticket contract they brought in hanjin ryu for the big ticket contract uh they were able to make the matt chapman move uh which was a big move uh for prospects earlier this year you know they've they've done that kind of move Recently, they brought in. Now, this hasn't really worked out a ton yet, but they did the yusei Kikuchi contract, three years, sixteen million per year. So they have been spending money. I think they've shown that, um, and I, I think that this move is going to be, it, it's going to last a while because, like I said, all these guys are under contract uh, for next year or controllable, at least. I think I somebody in the comments here on my side said. Uh, that Whit, sorry, Whit Merrifield. Try saying that ten times. Whit Merrifield uh, has an option year next year, so I'd have to get some clarification on what that exactly means for him. But there's a nine. There's a nice chance that he's going to be back next year, anyways, for the Jays. And this just puts them in a better foundation to make a big splash next year because uh, they have more players under control that are that are major league players now. Uh, and they're deepening their roster. What I compared this to, uh, one of my buddies said the exact same thing, James, that you just said. You know Max? You know my buddy Max? We were talking about no, Max. Max Ritz. I and Max he, was kinda, he was kind of on the Sky is Falling train as well. Uh, <laughs> kind of upset that not enough was done. And, I don't think
0: the Sky, don't get me wrong, I don't think the Sky is Falling. I'm no, I know. playing the devil's advocate of what a player may think.
1: Totally, exactly. Um, and... What I think back to when Mark Shapiro was in Cleveland, right before he came to Toronto, Cleveland, what they did for years was added guys with term and control, which made their roster deeper and stronger. That made them able to make big moves when it was the right time to do so. And I think back to the year they went to the, the World Series. I was going to say the Grey Cup for some reason. CFL's on the mind. <laughs> uh, When it, When they went to the World Series back in 2016, they played against the Cubs. They lost. But they went out and added Andrew Miller. Remember how dominant Andrew Miller was for a season? Uh, they went out and added a Coco Crisp. They went out and added these veteran guys. Uh, at the right time when they knew that they were ready to make a strong push, and they're in their division, baseball is such a divisional sport where if you can't win your division, it's almost like there's no point because you're going to have to go through the wild card, and it's always harder. The, 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 well, they were the Indians at the time, the Guardians. Uh, they they built, 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 built. They got a young Jose Ramirez. They got a young Francisco Lindor. I was just looking at the roster, so I was just checking it out today. Fresh um, of to mind. They had Mike Napoli at first base. They had Jan Gomes was just hitting his stride at catcher. They had um, Carlos Santana on that roster. They had some really good players, and they had a strong one through five starting rotation. Again, some young guys. Uh, and then they went out and they added the big bullpen arms and they added some, some solid roster guys at the end of the year. That was their year to do it. I think that this was the year that the J said, let's build towards that year. And when it is that year, let's go for it. But it's not the year because the Yankees are just stupid. They're stupid. It, let's be honest. The Yankees, this is one of the best teams we've seen in baseball in years. And it's just, that is how it is. Uh, they are so dominant top to bottom. They just went out and added more. So. Is it worth it to spend all of these assets on guys who are just going to leave in free agency next year like a noah Syndergaard? who knows if he sticks around uh raziel iglesias is aging he's getting older he's lost miles per hour on his fastball he's expensive for the next three years this year and two more um and you can go down the list uh on other guys that got traded today but i just don't think this was the year for the jays and i think that they had to realize that and That's the tough part about being a GM is that you can't always do what the players on your team want you to do, because then you'd be trading everybody all the time for everybody. And that's just not how baseball works if you want to be a sustainably good franchise. And I think that's that's been Shapiro and Atkins M.O. from the beginning is sustainable success. And when it's time to strike, it's time to strike. Uh, And it's just clearly not the year for them.
0: We got a question coming in here. Need some clarification on how the wild card teams will play in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, they changed it. And I'm still trying to wrap my head kind of around the new change. Um, it's 12 teams now. It used to be eight. Uh, it was 10 last year and it's 12 now. So my understanding is the top two teams in each conference get a buy. So the Yankees in Houston will get a buy. And then four other teams will play off so two will play six three will play four uh in a smaller series and then those the winners of those two series will then play the top two teams and i think at one point they were discussing um the top team picking their opponent do you remember that conversation i I think Uh, they decided not to but man would that have been a spectacle if the yankees come up uh, they're the top team and the Blue Jays and the Twins are there and they say, we want to play the Blue Jays or whatever. Imagine that press conference. Oh, that would be fun. Um, but and would have to bullet- do it with LeBron style. Yeah, division. imagine the bulletin board material that would come out of it too. Like, oh, my gosh, it would be insane. But uh, they didn't do that. So let's say right now if the Jays finish uh, in the top wild card spot, they would play um, – I mean, I don't know who it would be. Let's say it's like the Chicago White Sox, just for an example. And then Minnesota's probably right now looking like they might finish in that second wild card spot, or like Toronto-Minnesota might inter- you know, interchange. They would play the fifth-place team, whoever that would be. Um, I don't know who it would be at this moment. Maybe let's say the Boston Red Sox. I don't know. Uh, the Rays. Let's say the Rays. It might be the Rays. So let's say uh, those, two, those four teams play off, whoever wins those, Whoever the uh, highest seed is would play the second place team, which at this point would be Houston. Whoever the lowest seed team is would play the Yankees. So I think that's how it would work out. Um, I don't know if it's bracket style. Like It might be bracket style like the NCAA where uh, March Madness where um, regardless the Yankees are playing the whoever wins the four versus five matchup and regardless the Astros would play the two versus six matchup. I'm not sure. Um, but I think it's something along those lines. So, anyways, that's how it works. There's 12 teams now instead of there used to be only eight. We used to be the top, the three division winners and one wild card team. Now it's the top two teams in the conference, so division winners. And then the third division winner would then be one of the wild card teams almost to an extent because they would have to play in that first round. So, that's a somewhat explanation of how it's going to work. Sounds so complicated. Way, Way more complicated is. than the it, NHL. Be, Why can't you make it that simple? Yeah. Well, because they the thing with baseball is it's an elitist sport, right? They don't want half the league getting into the playoffs. Uh, they just want the elite teams. I think there was a lot of pushback on even expanding it at all because uh, they want the best teams to be the only teams. They want the division winners and one extra. Like, that was the thing for years, and they don't want to – they didn't want to increase that, but – uh, they got some pushback from some owners. They're like, yeah, well, guess what? We never make the playoffs. So this sucks. <laughs> so I think they yeah. just said, well, let's get some revenue. Just... Yeah, honestly, it's better for the league if more teams make it to the playoffs. So let's just do that instead of crushing everybody every year. There's only, you know, half the league, over, well over half the league wasn't making the playoffs. It was almost 20 teams were making the playoffs. So anyways, Jeez. Uh, that's how it worked.
0: No, it makes complete, complete and utter sense. And if it doesn't, it'll make sense soon once October and September roll around for playoffs. Now now for the Blue Jays. Everybody wants to know the million-dollar question here. Is this a team that can maybe put on a run? If everything falls the way that it should and all the teams are loaded up around them, can the Blue Jays put it together and beat a Yankees team? Can they beat other teams around them? Or are we just going to enjoy the fact the Blue Jays will probably make it in Get a few games, and we'll see you next year.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that they definitely have a team that can win that first round, especially if they're the top wildcard team and they play the sixth-place team, whatever that is. Because I, right now you're looking at a sixth-place team that is probably going to be from uh, – it, it might be a Seattle, which would be interesting if it was Robbie Ray versus the Jays in the playoffs. So that would be so good. <laughs> um, but if it was Seattle or like the White Sox, or if it's even one of the teams in the AL East right now, which the they're playing the race tonight, the Red Sox made some moves. They're super weird. I don't get it. Uh, it's not going to be the Orioles. So it's probably going to be one of those four teams, more or less, uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a couple other teams sneak in or, or do some something at the end of the year. But. I definitely think that they're at least good enough. If you're thinking about if it's a five-game series, you're thinking about throwing Manoa, Gosman, Barrios uh, as your three guys, and you're rotating them. Those guys give you a chance to win for sure. Um, the hitting's good enough, and adding Whit Merrifield makes it a little bit deeper. So the hitting should be good enough to win games. They they've been more aggressive on the base pass since Charlie Montoyo left. So that's how playoff baseball is usually one you, you have to add in the small ball component you have to add in clever base running uh, and defense is obviously huge in the playoffs and I think they got better at that so um, I definitely think that they have a team that can win around and I, as a Toronto fan that's hard to say <laughs> <laughs> because a we don't get to the playoffs and B we have troubles in first rounds um, the Jays are a little different when they get there they usually do a little bit of damage um but at the same time it haven't gotten there since 2016 so it's been a while uh well i shouldn't say that they have gotten in kind of in the in the play-in games and stuff like that the last couple seasons but uh not last season they just missed out but they're right there they're on the cusp and i think it's it might be some some learning curve for some of these younger guys but they do have at least the firepower to to put together a playoff roster and i think get close um if they do win the first round, if it all works out the way they want it to, they'll probably play Houston. So you're looking at guys like Justin Verlander, you know, Framber Valdez, who's having a great season. Luis Garcia is the pitcher who's having a great season. He's young. Um, that's probably going to be the guys you see in the playoffs. So it's not going to get any easier with Houston. They have a great bullpen. They have a great lineup. Uh, so, ah, I mean, it's tough, man. They I, I went – now, Dylan, you were there. Uh, I was in Toronto earlier this year. They did win two games against Houston. So, I mean, (laughs) that was in when? May, April, May. So not quite October. Uh, And I think Houston's, you know, they've shored up a couple things too. So I don't know. It'd be really tough. Um, But like they say, if you get to the dance, then who knows? Uh, Anything can happen once you're in the playoffs. If a couple guys get hot, if a couple pitchers get hot, it could, be, it could be anything. So it's hard to say. I'm not going to say that they're sitting here as as powerhouses right now, but um, I would say it looks better than it did a couple weeks ago.
0: So clip that and just take the word not out of there when you put your <laughs> post. And they are powerhouses, and they, they are run through. They're
1: so good.
0: They're beauts. Absolute yeah. stud. No, I agree with you. Look, I look at this team, and I say it's going to be some playoff growth. It's going to be some – Getting to big stages growth for some of these guys, too, and feeling that. We talking about it a lot in hockey. But getting to feel that, you know, crowd, getting to feel that pressure. These guys need to feel it. And you never know what can happen with a team, too. You could end up winning. You could all come together. Pieces could yeah. start flying. Guys could start dropping on the other squad. You never know, right? So we shall see. Yeah. but. We're gonna do a pivot from the Blue Jays over to our other Toronto team, which is the Maple Leafs. Um yeah.
1: so no, I won't go backwards. Audrey's yeah, went backwards, the straight.
0: Blue Jays went backwards. Look at these guys. All right, so Maple Leafs make some moves, shore up the goaltending. Samsonov, you got Murray, you got Cali Yarncroke. What are you feeling about this team? Still have not signed the Sandman yet, but there's lots of ways that they can finagle the cap to make it work. And there's also the potential of they've staggered contracts so well, they can go out and get a guy that will put them over an LTIR and be able to breathe anyways. So they know what they are going to do for you. Mayblues. Where are you at? How do you feel? And should there be concern in the crease?
1: I mean, yeah, I think the easy answer is to say yes. The easy answer is mm. to say yes. Um, no, I'm saying that's the easy answer. That's not the answer I'm given. Um, the easy answer is to say yes, and I think at face value, a lot of people are worried because they saw Matt Murray struggle at times last season and the season before that. Um, they, I think a lot – there he is. I think a lot of people – Um, are judging Ilya Samsonov without actually, I don't know if many people watched Washington last year um, that are saying he's not good. Um, He, at one point, not that long ago, he's only had three seasons. At one point, he was being talked about as like Vasilevsky. Like that was the level. They were the same general area of class um, in Russian goalies. And he was being looked at in potentially uh, that level of goaltender. Now, has he gotten there yet? No. But he's had a couple of decent seasons as kind of like a 1A, 1B starter with the Washington Capitals. I'm going to keep talking here. I'm just letting my dog outside, guys. Just keep We'll keep going here. Um, <laughs> he's just bugging me too much. i got to get him out of the house or else he's just going to keep bugging me. Um, so, I mean, I think in terms of a tandem, we haven't seen what these guys can do as a tandem yet. So it's hard to there, – there's it's literally starting from scratch. We don't even have one guy from last year that we're – bringing back so it's like a fresh slate a completely starting from scratch kind of situation and we're not used to that and i think that leads to even more hesitation because nobody knows nobody knows you can't sit here nobody can sit here and tell me right now uh on august 1st that anybody knows what this tandem is going to for sure be like next year not a single person not even matt murray not even Elias emson up can tell me exactly what they're going to do because we haven't seen it we don't know how many games each guy's going to play we don't know what kind of workload these guys are going to get. Uh, who's going to see the, the worst team on a back-to-back? We don't know that. Uh, so we'll be, it'll be really interesting. In terms of the rest, nice shorts. Thanks, Meyer. Uh, they're actually great shorts, by the way. I got them at Sportcheck. Um, not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. But not yet. Um, the new goaltending staff, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, they did shift that. And I think that we've seen in the last couple of years, um, not the best performances season long out of goaltenders. And I'm talking back to Freddie Anderson, the others that were around, then Jack Campbell. <laughs> um, <laughs> even when they got hot, they were hot, but it didn't, it wasn't sustained. It didn't last very long. No, so it did quickly and i don't know if that was it's always i think it's always easy you know scapegoat could be the coach or whatever but um i don't know what was going on that they couldn't seem to put it together for longer than a month at a time uh or like a stint in the playoffs for you know six out of seven games or whatever um so i don't know if that was steve briere because i know before steve briere it was uh who was the goalie coach that they fired he was french do you guys know who I'm talking about, James? You remember that name? Who was the goalie coach for the Leafs before Steve Briere?
0: Francois Allaire.
1: Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And he is now somewhere. I can't remember where, but they're doing good. I, I remember thinking. I remember seeing his name on a team that I was like, "Oh, he's their goalie coach. Why did we fire him?" Um, so I think a fresh look is always is is always a good thing, especially if there's been some like inconsistencies. So getting a a, a new coach in there, a new basically a new program goaltending program they've they've hired a couple new guys to kind of Curtis Sanford uh, yeah Curtis Sanford's like the kind of day-to-day boots on the ground coach and then they got the new director of goaltending and I have to shore up my names because I'm not sure exactly who all (laughs) who everybody is but uh they've revamped that whole system basically so again on top of that we don't even know how these goalies are going to be coached so how do we make predictions on it so (laughs) <laughs> there's my long answer of saying I'm not too sure. <laughs> Listen, I look
0: at this goaltending tandem and I get so much crap for it. I've gotten so much crap for it. I think Matt Murray bounces back. I think Samsonov. off. Really, Why not? Like, exactly. What, what do we have? Like you just said, what do we have to go on? Yeah. You look at last year. Okay. But I can go back and say, look at when he won two cups, he's not look too far. Two from there.
1: And I, 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 there's been this narrative and it's bothered me. And I know you guys have gotten it on your videos as well. But oh, the Leafs—they've done nothing to improve their defense. Their defense is still brutal. Um, that narrative is like four years old. Like it's not current. Uh, they were their team top
0: three or four in the top league. Top three. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, they've had some. They have some blowups. They have some games that aren't great. But if you literally watch hockey at all, uh, every team. Every team. Um, and their team defense overall. And this comes from even Sheldon Keefe taking over from Mike Babcock. Their team defense in terms of their entire structure has gotten so much better in the last couple of years. Um, and th- they've been through, like, weird seasons where they haven't been able to practice a whole lot. Uh, last yep. last season was their first season where they've had a training camp. Who's uh, been saying so- that
0: about Keefe and Dubas, though? That was their first full year. And everybody's like, well, oh, they've camp. been behind the Dutch for three years. No, they haven't. Yeah. It has not been three, four uh,
1: years. We could do a whole episode on like lazy narratives around the Leafs. Like another one is like, "Oh, they're running it back." It's like, no, guys, they've made tons of change. It's already a much different team this year. Last year was a Mark much different Giordano. team than year before. Exactly. Two. Yeah. Exactly. We get Mark Giordano for the whole year. Timothy Ledergren's a year older. You know, like things are different.
0: Um, right now,
1: up? in yeah, in terms of the in terms of the team. Um, I'm personally kind of in like a limbo, like a, like, a, like a purgatory. Like I don't quite know what to commit to in terms of how I feel about it because it's not done yet. And there's, there hasn't been much news in terms of uh, the last few pieces that need to happen. Like you said earlier, Sandine um, Engvall's contract came through, uh, but it's confusing too. Uh, there's things like what's Nick Robertson going to be? Is Alex Kerfa going to be the second line winger? Is Jake Muzzin going to be around? Uh, is Justin Hall going to be around? Who's going to be like the? Are the? Is the third line going to be Camp with Yarn Croak and and Engval? Or is that going to be the fourth line? Are they going to bring in some crazy name like Jonathan Taves? Probably not. I'm just saying stuff. <laughs> uh, but, but, hey, I heard some rumors that Colorado might go get Taves, so it's not that hey, crazy. You uh, can
0: bring in some guys on PTOS too. Hello, Bozak. Hello, Suban.
1: Yes. Yeah. Gessel. Shout out to uh, Shout out to Div. Shout out to D. He's like <laughs> he's so pumped about Bozak maybe coming back. Um, but yeah, I, I just I'm kind of in a spot right now where I don't mind most of the things that have happened so far. Uh, I didn't mind losing Mikheyev for 16, 18 million or whatever it was over four years. Totally good with that. Go ahead. Um, I didn't mind some of the other stuff that kind of moved moved around. I uh, I love the Mrazic move to get rid of that contract and just move down 13 spots. Uh, there's been a lot of things where I I have genuinely liked what they've done, but yep. there's just some some serious question marks where I just don't quite know how to feel yet about the entire situation as a whole. Does well, that make let
0: me, sense? Yeah, let me let me tell you how you can feel a little bit about the goaltending situation. Anyways, um, there's a team named the Carolina Hurricanes who shipped out all their goalies last year and brought in two new goaltenders, one being yeah. hurt and Freddie Anderson who no one knew what was going to happen with him and what to expect with Freddie. And then Nancy Ranta, who, again, was a guy that everyone was really high on when he was young, and he kind of fell to the wayside. Wow, doesn't that sound like what the Leafs have this year? But except because it was Carolina, there is a shit ton of optimism. But yeah. here in Toronto, we're so used to just beating dead horses and saying, oh, it sucks. This guy sucks. It's a stupid move that you don't see the tree for the forest. So you look at this and you say, look at what Carolina was able to do. And here's the thing that Freddie didn't have that Matt Murray had. Matt Murray went on a little bit of a run before the end of his season. Freddie didn't. No. So I'm just saying there's a lot of parallels there. The NHL is a copycat league. Obviously, the Leafs seen something. It's only two years of Murray, one year of Samsonov. You get what you want out of Samsonov, maybe you sign him. Maybe him and be become the guys. Right. Or Hittleby or the Hopi Baker guy. I can't remember his name for the my life.
1: Dryden
0: McKay. There you go. But there's so <laughs> many different things. But you look at what they did. It is a clear-cut copy of what Carolina did, except Carolina was lauded for it and Toronto isn't. So I say, look yeah. – it worked. So where'd they go last year? How far did they make it last year, folks? A lot farther than the Leafs. Uh-huh. Okay. So if Freddie was apparently broken down and no good in Toronto, got to Carolina and looked like an all-star again, I'm wondering what Matt Murray can do with the Leafs training staff and new right. goaltending coaches.
1: Well, and that's kind of what I was kind of referring to earlier. I guess I didn't quite finish what I was saying about Murray and the goaltending coach and the team defense and stuff. The the whole team defense thing, I got off on a tangent there. But um, everyone says, you know, one of the things is, well, yeah, Matt Murray played well when he was on Pittsburgh and their defense was so good. Do you guys remember – their defense in the playoffs when they won the second Stanley Cup, it was Latang and Ron Hainsey. And Hainsey that was, was a it.
0: top-flight defenseman
1: because yeah. he had so many damn injuries, yep. Yeah, it was pretty much those two, and that was it. Go look at the roster. Uh, <laughs> um, so, like, they... I mean, listen, the only motto was there, too, I think, at that point. But um, I yeah. think the Leafs' defense is more than formidable to play in front of these guys. It's just a matter now of... Are their heads in the right spaces? What kind of coaching are they going to get? You know, how how can they put the best system around them that puts them in the best position to be successful? So I think that's where we're at. Um, good question. <laughs> good question with Robertson. Uh, but I, I want to do one thing, if you guys don't mind, and this won't take long. It's just going to be, let's look at the positives if we can. Because I know there's everyone's yep. thinking negative, negative, negative. What's this bad thing that's happened? I don't like this thing. Austin Matthews won MVP last year. Do we do we forget that? Um, nope. 60 plus goals, over 100 points. Mitch Marner, 97 points. William Nylander career high in points. Michael Bunting career high in points. Morgan Riley bounced back in a big way. What did he end up with? 70, something like that. 72, I think. Uh, TJ Brody had a great year defensively. Uh, Timothy Amazing. Lilligren showed huge strides. Mark Giordano was playing at like a 50 point pace after joining the Leafs. Um, they have a lot, um, David Kampf, we talked about this a year ago today, pretty much uh, about how much we were going to love David Kampf at the end of the year. And we did, um, uh, Callie Yarncroke's coming in. That's a perfect mm-hmm. line mate. He, I would say that's, a. Uh, I'm not gonna, I don't hate Andre Kasha. That's a big upgrade over Andre Kasha. I'm just going to say right now, um, in terms of what he brings to that line's identity, it's perfect. Andre Kasha you're was kind of an in-between. Me. I felt like I felt like he was a good four checker and stuff, but uh he was he wasn't the perfect fit for that line as good as he was at times. Uh I think Yarncrook's perfect. And Engvall, guys, I hate Pierre Engvall. I've been <laughs> Pierre Engvall for, for two years. I kind of liked him at the end of the year. That's not uh, that's not okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I told you he's on you. I told I, you. know, I know. Um, but I, I if you're looking at that at line as a third line i mean i hate to make bold statements but uh that could be like the best third line in terms of what they do in hockey like i don't i'm not going to sit here and say that they're better than the third line in pittsburgh when they had malkin and kessel or whatever on the third line but like or that line goudreau
0: coleman and gord
1: yeah i mean like that's pretty damn good but in terms of what these guys do it's a defensive forechecking, checking yep. hard working third line it could be one of the more effective let's say lines in the sport um now what What have i told you for a long
0: time that keith wanted though he wants a third line like that
1: exactly so exactly i think it's going to fit perfectly into what they want and then it just depends on how they make up the rest of their roster john Tavares was almost a point per game last year so i'm not too worried about the production leave the man alone leave the man alone he's not getting traded he's got a no move clause he is working on his speed this off Saw that in an article. The no, you're right. Ambition. You're right. I saw that too. Yeah. He's working on his speed. Um, and I hope it works out. But Dylan, I've seen that headline every summer for uh, like five years.
0: Listen, <laughs> his, first, hang on, hang
1: on. his first
0: summer under Barb Underhill, when he mm-hmm. came here to the Maple Leafs, he put up his best numbers. Yep. Uh, his stride was different. He was not so like rigid. And he kind of got back to that rigid kind of pace last mm-hmm. year towards yeah. the end. And, you know, my little source told me it was uh, because he wasn't able to have a full off season of ramping up his workouts due to the injury last year. Right. So really, he age. didn't get up yeah, to speed. Yeah, we forget.
1: Like, less, like, a year ago, this guy had a traumatic head injury. We forget this. Um, yeah, I forgot that. was something that I really so factored into me. it. Absolutely. But I know that he
0: is working really hard right now yeah. and really wants to... Have a more impactful stride and allow himself to uh, not be gazelle-like because he'll never have that speed, but allow himself to not be too far behind where he needs to be. But here's the thing. If you got two speedsters, say a Robertson and a Nylander, flying in and you're the pivot, there's no problem with you just cruising in while those two guys are being honed in on and cleaning up the mess in front of the net. Yeah, and, and even Kerfoot, and like drink.
1: if it, if it ends up being Kerfoot, uh, which I mean, just looking at the money, I just don't see how it's gonna happen. But let's say Kerfoot sticks around for however they do it. Yep, he was he was fine on that. He had fifty points last year. Like he was yep. fine. I know a lot yep. of people are making fun of the Leafs. I know that that debate went around Senators top six versus Leafs top six, and the biggest thing was Kerfoot, bro. And I was like, yeah, he had fifty points. That's a pretty decent second liner in today's NHL. Like. That's not bad. Plus, he can play third-line center. He can penalty kill. He was doing a lot of stuff. Um, so I don't hate it if if it is him. I want to see Nick Robertson take a step. I think yes. we're all in that boat. I think He's I'm in the Timothy
0: Lilligren situation of last year. Yeah, Either yeah. take a step or get out, basically, is what kinda, it is.
1: Kind of, yeah. And, uh, I mean, even if he comes out and he puts up 10 goals or something in the first 30 games or whatever it is, And but it's not working out, he can be traded. Like, I don't think that's good. Robertson will be
0: in your top six next year. And I guarantee I put it out on Twitter. I said he'll score 25 to 30. That's that's and that's exactly what we were told by everyone who watches Nick Robertson and thinks if he gets a fair shake with players of his own
1: skill. I I want it to happen so bad. I want it to happen so bad. And let's just make for argument's sake that Kerfoot does stick around and Robertson does play second line. All of a sudden, you're looking at Kerfoot as a fourth-line center with Nicholas Obeku-Bell and whoever else. That's all of a sudden a great fourth line. And I don't love paying a fourth-line player three and a half million bucks. um, But all of a sudden, that's turning into a line that is a great – another four-checking hard-to-play against fourth line with guys who can play in your penalty kill and take some pressure off the top six. Here's another
0: thing for your top six, too. There's a guy – that is very high on Austin Matthews' radar, and that is Mr. Matthew Nyes.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so another he's one. another guy that is going to take coming a full year
0: at school. He'll be yeah. coming in March, a full year more, ready to come in and step in and make an impact.
1: Yeah, and the I guess the biggest question, James and Dylan, maybe you guys can chime in, but let's say Kerfoot gets moved because again, I just can't envision a scenario, money-wise, that he stays um who what's the fourth line look like is it adam Godet and are we cool with that like adam Godet with obey kubel are we good with that or who, who ends up on that fourth line because simmons is kicking around but he's not a center man, obviously clifford's kicking around we got other guys that are kicking around Malgin, uh dennis Malgin, um some other guys but is that are we good with that as a fourth line i would i would say the God, that's the only i'd say Godet's the only one that makes any sense yeah, well, I like I mean, good at down there. To be
0: honest with you, and obviously they seen something in him at the worlds that made it. them want to sign him. So, and also you guys gotta remember, there was some medical condition or something that he had going on when he was lost in the NHL or in the pro ranks that was undiagnosed and now has mm-hmm. been taken care of, right. um, which is why the Leafs are taking the chance on him. So, I mean, you look at the Timothy Lilligren thing. It took a little while, but it looks like that's gonna pan out and that was a medical situation. Andreas Mm -hmm. Janssen was a guy who was in the seventh round, couldn't breathe, couldn't keep his wind. Why? Because he had undiagnosed asthma.
1: They got that taken care of,
0: and look how he turned out. So same thing with Godet here, had a health issue. It's been identified. It's been rectified. Now he's getting a chance to show what he can do, and he may be just one of those Um, What do you call it? Uh, David Camp, Michael Bunting-esque kind of guy. He makes a damn impact.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. I'm I'm not mad about it. And they needed center depth either way. So, like, even if he's the fifth or sixth center, great. That's awesome. Um, So we'll see. Uh, You you said it earlier, there's going to be, like, probably five or six guys on PTOs coming into training camp that we haven't heard from yet. Um, They do it every year. I don't see why this year would be any exception. If, If anything, there'll be more this year, I think just with the way things are going, the flat cap. I think a lot of teams are going to be in that situation. If you go look at Cap Friendly right now, uh, I'm not saying – after the episode's over, watch the end of the episode first. Uh, <laughs> but if you go check out Cap Friendly and go to their free agency page, there's, n- there's, not, there's a couple big names still. Obviously, Kadri, probably going to the Islanders or whatever. But outside of those top five or six or seven or eight or whatever names, uh, there's not like a name that's like, oh, wow, he, he's the piece that any team would want. But there's, a, there's I'm going to say, like 30 guys at least, maybe even more, 50 guys that have NHL experience, can play a role really well, uh, and could fit a lot of needs that the Leafs and a lot of other teams will need, but nobody can afford them. So they're going to yep. probably get PTOs. Uh, there, I saw a stat the other day, and I made a video about this last year. It's worse this year. There's 17 teams over the cap right now. Or I think it was... Sorry, I might be lying. There's, I think, ten teams that are over the cap, and I think six or seven or eight others that are within two million. Uh, So there's 17 teams. Over half the league is basically in cap hell right now. Um, So we, you know, people say, "Oh, the Leafs have no cap space." It's a terrible chirp. I've said, Dylan, doesn't this
0: sound familiar? Yeah, we've talked about this. this. (laughs) Yeah, on the first Uh, half of the episode where Clark Monroe was supposed to be here. We oh, was just had this word? exact same conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we, where we, we, we like where we about said It's only the Leafs that seem to be. I was talking about the Boston Bruins actually, yes. only exactly. having 4.8 million, needing to sign Bergeron, Krejci, <laughs> and Pavel Zaka. So
1: yeah. we, we we were definitely on the same page. I'm as you, I'm late to that party, but like <laughs> I, it's just, it's true though, and yep. it can't be said enough that people. All these people like, how have Colorado not re-signed Nazem Kadri yet? They can't. How have how has Boston not brought back Bergeron right yet? They, they can't. can't. Uh, how how have all that situation not makes done me this? so mad yeah. for Boston yeah. fans?
0: Yeah. I hate Boston, but this is what Patrice Bergeron has done to the Bruins. He's, oh, handcuffed, yeah. He's
1: and handcuffed. here's him. the thing, though. Uh, I'm not. I don't feel bad at all for Bruins fans because Bergeron, <laughs> Bergeron did so many good things for them for so cheap for so many years. No, screw that. <laughs> screw that. I know, but you look at it. I look at it from the
0: pure fan perspective on that. Yeah. If you're a Bruin, my brother in law is a Bruins fan. So listening to him just say, like, what is he doing? What yeah, is he doing? Yeah. Like, no, you, but- you'd think you'd think he would tell him one way or another, just like you and in the Flames, right? Yeah. Now he may retire at the 11th hour, and the Bruins went through the whole offseason not having that cap space. So, yeah, they just don't have cap space.
1: And that and half the league is in the same problem, and I think that's that's just the flat cap. Until that stops happening and being a thing, there's going to be a lot of eye-raising things that happen. And it's like, why did that happen? Why did Max Patch or Eddie get traded for nothing? Because they couldn't afford them, they couldn't keep them, uh, and Carolina somehow could. I don't. That's one thing that bothers me. How the heck did Carolina do that? <laughs> like, they're in a good situation. Well, how do they have cap space to add See, seven million bucks? They were the team that got the. Uh, Brent Burns, too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not much retained either, if any. It, so, I, it was half retained, I think. Was it half? Yeah. I don't know if it was half because he was, was like paid, he was being paid. I think it was 40% retained, wasn't it? I don't know if it was that much. I think it was lower. I think it was only like 10 or 12%, maybe. I don't think it was very I much. Think he was being paid eight mil, and now it's down to four. Oh, it is okay. So, maybe you're right then, 50%. Um, but it's just like, yeah, how does Carolina afford that stuff? Like, who came off the books yeah. for them? I mean, I know what, like what are they, they at? paid Kokonyemi last year too. They paid Kokonyemi like four and a half or whatever. So yeah, that's just silly. where where did they get that money? Anyways, side side tangent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the Leafs are. You're, you're going to see probably five or six names that wow. everyone's going to be excited about for PTOs. Like you know, in terms of how excited you could be about a PTO, I think there's going to be five or six names that Leaf fans are like, oh wow, like that'll be great. And then they won't make the team um we saw that last year with Josh Ho saying like everyone was like he's the best player the leafs have no he's not no he's not that he's not <laughs> that good uh but he never made that cut now he's in russia uh, i hope he's safe because russia's crazy right now um so anyways sure. we'll see there's there's a lot of question marks i think we'll have a really good conversation in, a, in about a month here when everything kind of settles in and we get closer to camp and stuff becomes a little bit clearer on what their plan is. But right now I still think there's, there's four or five pretty serious question marks that I just don't fully know yet about what it's going to look like.
0: We will have you back on towards camp. I can't I'll be, wait. I'll be
1: on time next time. I'll, I'll make sure I triple check the time zone the next time. Listen, it's still fun to have
0: you on. We got to do a double take. It's episode three ninety nine, the redux. It doesn't matter, man. Uh, I want to say, I said on the other episode, you weren't here, but I want to say, I appreciate you. Um, throughout the years, man, I've now known you, I think, for what three, four years now,
1: it, yeah, three. I think just coming up on three,
0: so it's been yeah. a little while, but you've been yeah. on throughout. Um, Jesus, this thing's been going since 2016. But I want to say thank you, Clark Monroe, for always uh opening the doors. I've been on your show, the squad cast that is no longer on right now, right uh, there now, something some we'll point, see. somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you know, and we did. We're doing all kinds of fun things, six and a six, whatever you want to do. But I want to say thank you very much for always making the time and having
1: fun, man. Right back at you. Right back at you, too, Dylan. Shout out to Dylan. I'd Uh, also like to thank you for not pressuring me into, but you made me start my TikTok account. I peer pressured you into starting, (laughs) and I feel good about that decision. (laughs) (laughs) There's some good 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 peer pressures that go on, right? Yeah. It's led it into wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things, especially yeah. the group that we have uh, that we've been messaging. So, uh, yeah, thank you, man. Absolutely, no, it's been a hey, great you, time. You, you, I knew you were the right one to do it, so that's why I wouldn't have peer pressured you oh. if you weren't the right one. So, you're you're <laughs> well, my Neo. You're you're my Neo from the Matrix, Dylan. <laughs> there you
0: go. Look at that. Look at you're the references. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, anyway. you literally sat through over 90 minutes tonight. I us talking about the, the Maple Leafs, the Blue Jays, um, ambulances not showing up, all the different things we've yeah. gone through. Um, so I want to say thank you yet again. Um, this is episode 399, the extended cut. Next one is 400. Ring the bell, bring the balloon, celebrate with one of these from Boxing Rock Brewing Co. It is a puck off Lagerdale. Be sure to get one of those into you when you're out east. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Offside Hockey Talk. Signing off for episode 399 where hockey comes to talk.